What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Wheel Bearings. I'm Dan Roth from Forbes. I'm Sam Abul Samet from Navigant Research. And I'm George Kennedy from the Boston Globe and Cargurus. All right, well, welcome, George. Uh, you are automotive uh, bon vivant and uh, all around. Um, uh, well, Dan with the big words. This Don't week. waste good words on me. Just come on. <laughs> Those are not the best words. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but they're so, French, so I like that. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're just gonna jump right into the cars. Um, so this week, uh, Sam, you are you drove a couple of cars. Um, the Veloster N is what I'm really interested in, but uh, you had also the Honda Civic Touring. So it sounds like it's been kind of a sporty time for you. Yeah, well, the, the Civic Touring, you know, um, I've, I've driven multiple Civics before, including the one that resides in our garage on a daily basis. Uh, you know, we have a, a 2017 uh, Civic hatchback, uh, EX hatchback. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of the the current generation Civic, the 10th generation Civic. It is such a huge jump over the prior couple of generations. Um, you know, it, not everybody likes the design. Um Personally, I'm I'm fine with it. I like it, um, and and my wife certainly likes the the hatchback, uh, which is why we bought it. Um, you know, and the the touring, you know, the Civic Touring is the 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 premium trim level of the uh, of the Civic lineup, aside from the the Type R. Uh, you know, the and the one I was driving was the uh, uh, sedan uh, with the uh, 1.5 liter turbo and the CVT. Which you know is is a is a nice combination. It's a great engine. Um, you know the the CVT is is one of the better ones out there, I think. And you know it's got great driving dynamics. And one of the nice things on the starting with the 2019 models is they finally replaced the uh, infotain or replaced replaced the head unit that was in there when it launched in 2016. Uh, so it no longer has the uh, the touch uh, capacitive touch buttons for the uh, volume and tuning and and so on. Um, they've now got actual physical a physical uh, volume that's, knob. That's good because the capacitive touch one sucked. 
Yes. Well, I was going to ask if the one that you guys own personally, if it has a volume knob. It does not have a volume knob, but it does have the volume rocker on the steering wheel spoke on the left spoke of the steering wheel. So that's which what, I don't what, hate. What yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's what that's what we typically use is the one on the steering wheel. Spoke. So you get to control the volume. That's that's also yes. nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, actually, I mean, it's it's my wife's car. I mean, she's the one that primarily drives it. I only. All right, so I'll be, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll be a little more you know, open about it. the driver gets to control the volume. Pretty yes. Much. Correct. Yeah. And you know, in the touring, you get uh, leather, leather seating and leather covered steering wheel and all that stuff, which is nice. You know, we, ours, ours is an EX. So it has the, the cloth uh, seating, which is also really nice. You know, it's, it's comfortable and grippy. Um, you know, the leather seats are great. Honda always makes really comfortable seats, really supportive seats, which, you know, I've always liked. Um, and, you know, it's just a generally fun car to drive and, you know, it's fuel efficient too. Yeah, and that's why I say it's been been sporty. You know, yeah. and there's no big wing on the back. There's no, you know. <laughs> now, you know, if you could just drop a Type R engine into that, now yeah, you'd be talking. You you probably Which could. Is, <laughs> it's funny because that's like not outside of the realm of possibility, considering like past versions of the Accord Coupe with the six speed manual and the V six. Like it's it's been done in the past where they've done high feature yeah. engines and kind of comfortable trims. I like this trim because when you talk about like what's affordable for people these days, I mean, what, this is like a, could be what a $25,000 car. Yeah, this, this one, this one is pretty much loaded with just about everything available. It came to like 28 and change. Um, okay. the, the, one, the one cheap, we have, but the one we have was 24. Um, right. you know, at, but you know, you can, you can get a really nicely equipped one for 24, 25 grand, you know, like ours, you know, that was 24,000. It has a sunroof. It has the driver assist package, you know, with adaptive cruise control and lane keeping assist and, and all that stuff. Uh, so, you know, for even, even for that 24, $25,000 price, you know, basically if you, if you can live without the leather seating and a few other premium trim options, yeah, 25 is absolutely doable. So the genius about that car is, you know, we talk about what's affordable, what's aspirational. If you're a young professional looking for a first car, it's, you know, the Civic is so good in this space and that it's so spacious for a compact car. It almost sort of, def, you know, breaks the definition of a compact because it's that, I don't know if you felt it was that spacious inside, but like if you're somebody who's looking for reliable, comfortable daily transportation, there's no incentive for you unless you have kids that need to, you know, you need the backseat to go upmarket to the Accord, the Civic, you know, well, you know, a well-optioned trim like this should suffice. Right. And, you know, that's something we've talked about before and I've written about in the past is that, you know, over time, you know, all, the, you know, pretty much any nameplate you can, you can find, you know, with each succeeding generation usually gets bigger, you know, so a Civic today, you know, is quite, is larger than an Accord was, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Absolutely. And, and even, even the fit today, uh, or even, the, even going back to the first generation fit a decade ago was larger than the first generation Accord was 20 or 30 years ago or 40 years ago, whenever it came out, 40 years ago, 40 years yeah. ago. Yeah. So <laughs> the CBC you know, that is crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, even, even, even a fit, you know, is actually a shockingly roomy car for four adults because well, of the way it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it remains my favorite small car. You know, it's, it's the one that I always, when somebody is looking for a, a small car, you know, like a B segment car, the fit is always the one I recommend. 
Right. And what's funny is like, I do this, I'm sure you guys do the same thing when family members or friends try and ask you for car advice. You do this, like choose your own adventure. First of all, you don't say that car is terrible because if they're asking your opinion, it means they probably already bought it. They bought it. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. But, <laughs> but when it comes to like the fit, I, so I do this, like choose your own adventure. I'm like, and I'm like, okay, I'm in New England. There's a 99% chance they actually got a Crosstrek or a Forester. So let's figure out if they did that. If they didn't do that, what's the next most usable vehicle? And that's the fit. Mm-hmm. And then some yeah, people absolutely. just don't listen anyway. They, just, you know. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, I was, telling, I was telling someone, like, oh, if you like uh, sort of quirky cars, hatchbacks, I, I recommended the Toyota CHR to someone. And then um, well, next time they, they mentioned Why it, would you do that? Because it's fine. Because he knows that nobody's going to listen to his well, suggestions anyway. That's, that is true. That, that is As very you said, true. they ask, they, they, when people ask, they're more often than not, they're looking for affirmation of what they've already decided. Right. Ra- this, rather is like than the a Seinfeld where, this is like the Seinfeld where they're looking across the street at the lady, like, tanning herself. And Elaine's like, yeah, I'm, I'm that god in the space shuttle. I'm going to Mars. Okay, pack a good bag. Like, yeah. no one's listening. Uh, it's well, like, <laughs> no, this is my lament. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the answer I got back was like, oh, what did you get? I got a mini. <laughs> well, here's the, okay. That's a good point, though, because like, right? Think about like what's quirky, which is like versus what's like feigned quirky, and like the the mini covers a lot of those bases. The CHR is funny because the CHR was, if I'm not mistaken, was supposed to be a Scion before they folded that up. Yeah, yeah so, it was, when they originally showed it as a concept, it was, in fact, a Scion. Right. And, but the, what's cool about that car is, like, and I know I just bagged on it, but, like, it corners and it breaks right. really well. Right. This it is what I was saying. Like, it drives zero it, muscle. Zero it, muscle. It drives surprisingly uh, and not just pleasant. It's, like, surprisingly satisfying. It has yeah. no power. And it has a CVT. It's like a modern but MG. It's it's fine, and so I I just I liked it. I liked you know it's it's got some some little things to delight your design sense, and other than that, it's a Toyota, so you know I'm it's not. Trying to break. think back, we did a we did a car gurus video on it like last fall, and there were some things I bagged on it. Like I feel like they may have done some very Mitsubishi ish interior things. Which oh, is the like, interior is not good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's like okay. the, the controls. Like you guys want to talk about like haptic and not haptic? Like there were some things they were doing that are not good and they need it's in desperate need of a interior refresh well toyota's gonna fix all that stuff when they roll out um what is it is it a carplay or android auto they're rolling out well uh, the both. avalon there's camry the- tacoma all have carplay as of this year i think right yeah and and actually some of them also have android auto now um so and they're they're increasingly adding android auto to the 2020 models i have a i have a funny story about carplay which i will hold for a little while because um i also want to know now that you've done the sort of economy car thing, although the, the Civic Touring always feels a little sporty. Every Honda has that, like, it's got a little sport bike in it somewhere. Yeah. Um, well, and, and particularly the current generation have more of that. You know, they, they seem to have lost that for a while, but they, they got it back with the current generation. Yeah. So how does it, well, I guess it doesn't really need to stack up, but, but so you stepped out of that and you got in the Veloster N, which is getting raves from everyone. I haven't driven it yet. Um, but what's your take on that? Uh, I, I like it a lot. 
you know, it's, uh, you know, it's been described in some places as the, the poor man's type R, um, which, you know, to, to some degree it, it is, um, that's not too far off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I really like the current generation Veloster and the, you know, the N is the first of the, these N branded performance models from Hyundai. And they're going to be adding a bunch more on some of the other model lines over the next couple of years. Uh, so, you know, the, and branding for, for Hyundai, uh, you know, in this case means you get a two liter turbo with 250 horsepower or, or 275. If you get the, the performance package, it remains front wheel drive. Uh, it's got um, dynamically adjustable dampers. Uh, you know, there's a, an electronic limited slip differential on the front. Uh, it actually has pretty decent steering feel, which is surprising. On, that's on that's surprising car. in a Hyundai too. For a Hyundai, was, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that was always the thing where they'd have like they'd be ninety-seven percent there, and yeah. just like all the pieces are here, the powertrain's good, but it just the steering's numb and the controls don't work together as as harmoniously as they should. So that that sounds like that's uh, on, on the Veloster end that it all works together really well. Uh you know, from a from a design perspective, you know, if you like that sort of mini shooting brake style, you know, it works well and it's actually practical. You know, the back seat is, you know, you can actually have a couple of adults in there, although it is awkward for the the person who's going to sit <laughs> behind the driver because it's a three door. Uh so there's it no It still has a crazy door set up, yeah. It, it has the crazy door set up which means you got a all the way across over and, there's, and it's a it's set up as a four seater so there's fixed there's cup hump. holders in be, in between the two rear seats so you got to slide over the the little hump and oh the cup God. holders uh, but it's not so bad they should have uh, gone like scion iq with it with like the yeah. offset seats right yeah, I can't sense. believe I'm invoking the Scion IQ really? for anything. Really? But. The Scion <laughs> IQ, which is pronounced ick, by the way. Yeah. Oh, I'm not doing that. But, but. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I drove the Veloster N um, from, uh, from my home near Ann Arbor to Pittsburgh uh, last weekend to speak at a conference and then drove back Damn. again. And, you know, so put about 600 miles on this thing. And, you know, it was a lot of fun to drive. And, you know, for... It you know it's got multiple different drive modes you know so you got normal and eco uh, when you're driving um, you know for going on a long highway drive I just kept it in either normal or eco mode uh, because there's also a multi multi mode exhaust system on there when you put it in sport or in N mode it gets considerably louder uh, which you know if you're going to be behind the wheel for you know four or five hours uh, you probably don't want to be dealing with that the whole way. But, you know, once it's time to have some fun, you know, when you put it in end mode, you know, you get some of that, you know, that, that, uh, you know, the, the little backfire, you know, when you're shifting, uh, you know, it, it sounds fun and it is really fun to drive. The, and, you know, you can also feel a distinct difference in, especially in the suspension, when you, sh when you switch it over to end mode, the dampers get substantially firmer. Um, there's some speed bumps in my neighborhood here. <laughs> and when you drive over them in normal mode, it's pretty, it's fine. It's, it's, it's quite acceptable. Uh, the ride quality is, the ride quality is good, even though, you know, it's on these skinny little, you know, tires you know, with about a quarter of an inch of sidewall. Um, but then as soon as you put it into end, end mode, you know, it becomes like a rock, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it'd be great, you know, if you're on a smooth curvy road, but you know, if you're hitting bumps and eh, not so much, well, you're the, supposed to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Dan. I, I just love to hear that they actually have like really discernible modes. Cause there are a lot of cars that the they give modes, modes, but there's not really any difference. Yeah, so yeah exactly. Actually so feel I, the difference. So I do have two questions. Yeah. One, 
Was this car par- uh, like what, Robin's egg blue? Oh, it the, was. The, the sort of, yes. yeah. It has this sort of evocative golf livery. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And two, yeah. just to use the analogy, the for M because I'm still trying to get a read on like what M is gonna N is excuse me N is gonna mean for Hyundai. Is this like M235i or M2 as opposed to the rest of the two series? Uh, I would say more more M235i. Okay, and I think that's as far as they're going to go, given what they are. Yeah, I mean, for for that brand. I mean, someday, who knows, maybe they'll do something that's more M2. uh, But I don't, you know, I don't think the brand is quite ready for that yet. Um, Right. You know, that that performance blue color, that pale blue color that you mentioned, you know, that is the signature color for the N brand. And so when you get when you get any of the N brand or any, any of the N models, you know, you'll have things like um, matching uh, seat belts in that same color. So regardless of what the exterior color is, you'll get those blue seat belts. There's blue accents in the interior, you know, and it looks pretty cool. You know, blue contrast stitching on the steering wheel and the, uh, the mode buttons on the steering wheel are also in that same shade of blue. So it, I it, am it, a sucker for those touch. things like those, something like that, where you're just differentiating it. Like, you know, if you're picking a color or you, doing like little accent things i'm just a stupid sucker for those things i hate that i am but it exists uh, no, the, the detailing is really nice I'm, I'm looking at it now on the website and that's the thing that stands out is just how how thoughtfully they've made it feel special because it, it is a special model uh and so you know like i i think that's that's warranted um did, did the one you drove uh they they're available in manual did you have a manual oh yes it was a manual yeah. And nice. uh, it, it has uh, it, there's uh, you can switch on uh, rev matching in there, uh, which works really well. Um, what else? Oh, they you know, the kind of a couple of details that, uh, about it, you know, the interior, the interior materials are all hard plastics. There's no soft touch materials in there, um, which, you know, some people might not care for. But, you know, you also got to keep in mind that this thing starts at twenty seven four. Uh, which is a good ten thousand dollars less than a Type R. Uh, you know, it's not quite as quick as a Type R, but it's pretty damn close. And you know, for for ten thousand dollars, I could live with the hard plastics. The 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 only other thing that um, was kind of a pain for me the the seats. You know, they're manually adjustable seats, and they're limited pretty much to just height, fore aft, and seat back angle. So there's no lumbar adjustment. And after like four and a half hours in the car. Um, you know, I could have used a little bit more lumbar support, but you know, that's just me. It's the shape of my back, I guess. Um, you know, most people would probably be fine with it. Other than that, the the rest of it is great. You know, and I, I like that, you know, the, the thing, the, the design, uh, things that they did with it, like the, the spoiler on top of the rear hatch is a lot more subtle than a type R spoiler. Um, you know, right. but, you know, the things that they've done, you know, like the red accents on the rocker panels and on the front fascia. I love that. It's really right. cool. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is at least they can, do, you know, deliver on the, the image of that as opposed to like, Hey, I got a Subaru Forester turbo sport thing that has the same little pinstriping. It yeah. still has the, the little, you know, whatever engine. What, what, so it, I drove the turbo last fall. And what's interesting is I, I think, you know, you mentioned the manual seats. I think that's a bit of a decontenting compared to some of the other trims, if I'm not mistaken. Like, you can get the power seats. I think so, too. Yeah, I think on the – 
Like if you get the the regular Veloster, like the Ultimate uh, trim, right, right, and uh, you do get some of those things. So I think you know they were they were focused here, you know, on trying to provide the most performance, the most bang for the buck. The 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 the, the GT two RS method would take everything off and add add more to the price, <laughs> and then right? charge you more to put it back. Yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> well, so what's funny is like if you take all that stuff away and you look at like a Turbo Ultimate, like you described. That's compared to the Gen One Veloster to this, it's the same silhouette, but it's a far more conventional car in a lot of very subtle ways. So, if you look at the center console of the Gen One, it looks like a Mini Cooper, like a candy machine level center console. This looks like it could be the center console on a Sonata, and a lot of the controls are more conventional. I, they realized, like, okay, we can make an unconventional car without everything being weird, right? Right. Yeah, uh, it's probably cheaper. It's unconventional, but still very usable. Right, absolutely. It's an unconventional uh, platform or silhouette or formula, but the the day-to-day usability things have become far more mainstream, and I'm always in favor of that. Yeah, and I'm just looking at the prices here. So the Veloster Turbo Ultimate actually starts at twenty eight. Uh, a little over twenty eight thousand. So the the N is cheaper than the the Turbo Ultimate. Um, so it's you know it's a relative bargain performance machine. So, and there's no torque steer. Okay, <laughs> but, so Velocity N versus our benchmark GTI. How does it how does it shake out? Ooh, uh, right. Yeah, I think the the GTI is probably going to be more expensive. Um, yeah, not much. Yeah, I think the the Veloster N the Veloster N is going to be quicker, um, but the GTI is going to have a nicer interior. Yeah, as, as right, it's more conventional. I feel like the Veloster with like Hyundai looked at that and go, wait a minute, they have a quirky offbeat car, but they're using an extremely proven conventional platform to do it. Let's go a little bit more mainstream again. Right. Yeah, so I, th- I think, you know, if, if what you want is something that has a little more premium feel to it, um, then actually the, the, the GTI starts at 27.6, so it's almost exactly the same starting price. But the GTI is going to have a, a, a more premium feeling cabin, but it's not going to be as quick. So if you want if you want to get a little more performance, you know, at the expense of, you know, some of those materials, you go for the Veloster N. You know, and and also, you know, if you want something that looks different, you know, the Golf GTI, for for better or worse, looks like a Golf. You know, you will all you will instantly recognize it as a Golf. Right. You know, and and that's both good and bad. You know, there you know, there's that shape that's been there for you know almost forty years now, and it will you know it'll continue to be there for the foreseeable future. Yeah, at least so uh, Hyundai can manage to maybe not box themselves into a box. They, yeah, exactly. You know, they get like a you know high performance shoe instead. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, but what's funny happen. about it is from a styling standpoint and like the performance level, like it, it's less of a GTI cross shop. And maybe you know listeners or commenters could could weigh in. Like, is it more of a WRX versus Veloster and oh, cross shop? Yeah, uh, yeah, probably. I, I would say that's probably a better comparison. Who do you see somebody vaping in first? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you don't you don't want to vape. You just brought to you by Monster Energy drink. Right. Like <laughs> Jesus, you're gonna get us sued. <laughs> you, uh, you can block all that out if you like. Well, you know what? Like, I think it's actually sets up a really nice uh, transition because um, while Sam was driving the Veloster N, I had the uh, the new Super Legacy, so the 2020 Legacy, um, and. 
it's uh, it, and I know you had it too, George. So it's, I, I, will, I will say that overall, uh, it's a really solid update. It feels really yeah. good to drive. It's great on the road. Um, it's a, a really good size. It's the 2.5 liter FA engine, so it's not all that powerful. Works okay with <laughs> CVT, but it really like I was like I could really go for a turbo here. Um, although the week before I hadn't, which they offer. Yeah, they do. And the week before I had an ascent and I felt like that was actually kind of jumpy and crappy and like less not not. Is crappy. that the same like, is the, the Subaru's engine? The, the ascent engine is the same as the high feature engine in the legacy. Is that correct? I think so. It's the 2.4 yeah. liter turbo. So it gets a little yeah. deep board and it's, um, you know, it's got the turbo on it. Uh, yeah. But it it just like the throttle response of that one felt like too much. So this one, while it's a little down on power, it's not. It's not exactly slow. It's just everything right. that's so friggin' fast. Uh, and, it, you know, it, it's fine. It gets 30 miles to the gallon. I had a really hard time actually getting the tank empty in it. I drove this. <laughs> and you tried. Well, yeah. what's funny is, like, you're right. So that is the base engine. And, like, it's enough. And when you want to the kick, you know, kick your heels into it, it gets there. But it makes a lot of noise. Yeah, doing it definitely. It. Made, it right. Makes, and, you know. That's the thing is Subaru like talks about they're like, oh well, it's smooth. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. You've got yeah, a, a wait, who made who made a who made a smooth boxer engine? Not you guys. Like well, <laughs> <laughs> it's well, so the layout, it, it doesn't have the rocking or the vertical motion that an inline four is just gonna have. There's no way you can like get around sure, that. Sure. But there are far different ways that people like reduce NVH that yeah. you know. So that's the weird thing. It's like they've got this inherently smoother engine that they make it like sound kind of funny and, and they let all that noise come through the firewall and, and which some people do on purpose by the way yeah. when 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 the new uh wrx came out and they had even rockers people, like, yeah, uh, yeah. people were going and modding them so that they had the uneven so it would have that weird rubber rubber sound yeah, and i'm broke. like you know what that that's like the basically the exhaust version of the people who leave or add exhaust uh the packing strips on their uh, SRT chargers. Right. And it's it's fine. Like whatever it's you big, want. Like like the one down the down the block from my house. Oh, got, <laughs> uh, is it purple yet because the new ones are purple? Uh no, this one is uh, like dark gray and black. So oh, but well, the, no, I mean the uh, the oh, packing the strips. strips oh no, the no, they're they're yellow. So so here's the crazy thing. So we heard that the new packing strips, not to go off subject, but the new packing strips are going to be purple. And on no joke, I was in Newport last weekend for the uh, Newport Concord Elegance, and I saw an SRT Challenger come down uh, the main main drag there. And you could see where it was originally yellow and somebody like painted or taped over with purple. People are adding these things on after for cars that don't, that they don't belong to. And it's blowing my mind. No, it's, it's, Hey, you know what? You you own the car, put whatever you want on it. Who cares? It's the, it's the backward upside down sideways visor. Well, SRT even said that like the, the pebbles are going to get caught up underneath the, the tape and like actually scrape it. I look. I but okay. You but gotta, just, you, do you remember the the eighties and, and early nineties when everybody no, was, I was putting the four then? Oh, God, you, you're not old enough. So back then, everybody would put the the. I was the, drunk the, then, so. <laughs> everybody would put the bras on their car, right? The, and everybody and, wore piano neckties. What's your point? Yeah. So you'd get the the like fake leather thing to cover the front of your 911 Super Carrera mm-hmm. Targa, whatever. Or your 924, yeah. Right, your, your Coke machine. And <laughs> um, the 
the idea that it's going to protect the paint is actually backward because you put this now this piece of vinyl there that traps water and heat and sh- and stuff underneath it. So it it actually like causes damage to the paint and scratches it. And because the paint that's underneath it isn't getting the UV, guess what? All the paint on the car now sort of misshapen, miscolored. Yeah. So I will say this: as a Jeep guy, I will have weird. to cop to the fact that in like the automotive enthusiast community is, is a double-edged sword. I love that people care, but like misguided enthusiasm can lead they, to some weird stuff. And really I don't want to like, sh- I don't want to shame. I know, but you know, I don't want to shame some folks, but it's like, same time. It's like, dude, there's a level of a modicum of restraint and taste that might go into any of this stuff. And I, but, I'm but, but misguided, misguided enthusiasm, enthusiasm is hardly unique to the automotive sector. I mean, yes, you know, look, look there at bad tattoos everywhere. Yes. <laughs> At least you can take off the uh, yellow strips. Yeah. <laughs> um, so back to the legacy. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh, before before you continue with that, one one other note oh. about you mentioned the you know the you know being able to run a long distance on a tank in the legacy. One issue with the uh, Veloster, the gas tank is on the small side. It's only a thirteen gallon tank. And so, you know, you don't get that much range out of it. Yeah. And it says it gets up to 29 miles per gallon highway. So it probably was getting like 24 for you. you know? uh, I got about 27. Oh, that's, that's better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. You have a lighter foot. Well, uh, I was, no, I was, I was so, driving through Ohio and trying to avoid the uh, Ohio uh, State Troopers. Yeah. You set the cruise and just, <laughs> just relax. Yep. Well, look, Dan, I don't have too much more time uh, joining you guys. So I did want to touch on one thing about the legacy. That yeah, man, was- go ahead. So, all right. So a couple of quick things. I love the, I love the chassis dynamics. I think it handles really well. It's really practical. Like it's more than just a uh, four door outback. It's, it's got a really big back seat and it's got a decent sized trunk and all that stuff. The center console and the big portrait orientation Uh, 11.6 inch touchscreen. That's what I was going to talk about too. Cause I, I hate it. Let me just get through a couple things. One, (laughs) If this was any other brand, I'd be like, fine, it's a sign of the times, but it's Subaru. And in my mind, as a New Englander, Subaru is like a pillar of pragmatism, practicality, the old ways or the good ways. Like their interiors were drab as hell and people loved them for it. <laughs> they liked that they could beat on their interiors and they're full of plastic and you could throw applesauce at everything. You could wash it off. Like That's good stuff. Right. And even though it's a touchscreen fine whatever it's you know you got you got hard controls for the climate controls and radio the only controls don't have oh that's what you're saying like now you don't the old ones the old ones right this new thing is a like a violation of what i interpret as like the the core tenets of what makes a good subaru a subaru is something that you can beat on and it will say thank you i will have some more Right from an actually, standpoint. it's a violation of core tenets that makes any vehicle a good vehicle. If, yeah, I don't know if oh, you've heard George, but I am I am the global leader of the ban the touchscreens from cars movement. <laughs> well, so yeah. I'm not I'm not that far. I like I like tech when it's used well. So well, like yeah, I happen yeah, to think that course. the American automakers do a good job of saying some things are going to be touchscreens, some things are going to always stay as hard controls. So like you know, Ram fifteen hundred notwithstanding, most of everything else is. Radio and nav and car play is up in touch. But as our good friend Craig Fitzgerald always says, the 6 a.m. dark and cold controls. If you're going out to your garage and the light went out, can I use the radio and the climate controls and the, the, the heat, the defroster without looking? And those are all things that you should be able to hit, hit, hit. Yeah. The biggest sin of all of this touchscreen system is 
So all cars have stop-start systems, and anybody that reviews cars all the time, typically, unless they're John Vogler over at Green Car Reports, are canceling out the stop-start system so that it doesn't, like, you know, auto-cancel every Honestly, time you go I, I leave it running as well. I leave it oh, running. Oh, you masochist. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it's, but you know, here's the thing, and I think I, 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 this, this will come back to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I, I, I pair that stop-start with the auto-hold that everybody's doing now. But the, the legacy would shut auto-hold off on every restart so you'd have to go in and it's three like three steps or two steps right right wait are we talking about the same thing what's the difference between auto hold and stop start it's so stop start shuts the engine on and off avh auto vehicle hold actually keeps keeps the brakes on you to, when, so uh, when you're on a hill you when you apply the brakes and to take your foot off the brake pedal it won't roll move back until, yeah well, but it's not even it's not even just on a hill it's like at a stoplight you just Press the brakes. Yeah. Wait, so AVH turning that on, on turns off auto stop start. Did you just break my brain? No, no, no. It keeps auto stop start on. Um, you can you can set them individually, but it, it will hold. Like So you come up to a stoplight, and you press it, and the AVH comes on. You can then take your foot off the brake and just sit there, and the car will hold itself on the brakes. And then it'll release the brakes when you hit the, the gas. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. So for a lot of cars, uh, the stop start is pretty seamless because the car, the engine themselves are smooth. Uh, it we is just not talked about in the legacy. Exactly. <laughs> so, so if you want to cancel that in the past, in 99% of cars that have this is just a button on the dash or a button next to the shifter and you right. just hit it done. This is two menus deep. Okay. Yep. And not only that, if I want to change the temperature for the uh, well, there's hard buttons for the temp. But if I want to change like the direction of the, the where, climate where control, where it goes in the fan, there is no it's hard buttons. Three menu presses, and okay? it, it comes up, and you got to you got to be quick. So a, it comes up, and you have to read it and figure out what it's doing, like what it's asking. Right. You have to find the thing to stab with your finger. Oh, you were too slow. It then it it like re- shut it back down. Now you're at the main screen. Right, right. It timed out. So in light of all these things that I'm bagging on about, there is one feature that Subaru does that I really like, and it's part of the eyesight suite of driver assistance features. So I do like how Subaru makes eyesight standard on almost every car they do. So you have like the 86, right? Or the BRZ, excuse me. Uh, One feature they have is the whole, if you are at a stoplight and the car in front of you pulls away and you don't respond, it gives you a little like blip. And look, you can't like change the behavior of human beings. All right. We're going to look at our phones. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) People are going to look at their phones or, or turn around and like deal with their kids that are fighting each other or look for that fry that fell in between the seats. For whatever reason, yes, I eat in the car. For whatever right. reason. They're not your cars. Car, right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So when the car in front of you bounces and goes ahead and you haven't responded, it'll beep at you after like a second. And that like kind of saves you from the angry horn honk behind you. And frankly, that's one of the most like realistic, like real reality, like self-aware features in any car today. Yeah, I, all of that stuff is good. The eyesight system was good. It was a little, it was a little touchy, but you can also dial it back too. So like, its default is right. a little bit more cautious. So it it would um, beep at me and and sort of do the little sort of tap of the brakes automatically, um, a little more than I thought was necessary. Uh, but then again, occasionally I drive aggressively. Uh, <laughs> what are you? Yeah, um, but the just the interface that that infotainment system is the system itself isn't terrible it's just 
they need they need more physical controls and and right. they need to consider like where are the things you can access and how do you access them and maybe consider like maybe don't make it timeout maybe make it controllable i i fought with that for the whole week i had it and it's a you shame because the, the rest of the car is great it's really well, really good too in the past if there was that system i would just tell people to go get the base trim because it wouldn't have it but i had to go look it up because there are no press images about it the base trim Every trim of the base trim has this uh, this screen in the base trim. It takes up the same real estate, and it's two screens. We're talking like Honda. Uh, <laughs> Sam knows what I'm talking about. Think, like yeah. double screen. Like you know, I'm just like, oh, you guys are doing that with the base trim. Okay, we'll have fun with that. Yeah, that's yeah. So I, I, you know, it's a, it's a solid update to the legacy. It's a really good car. You're just going to have that learning curve. It's a really good car. And I hate to bag on some of these things, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah, it, it was, it was solid. So if you, if you like Subarus, it's going to like tickle that, you know, that Subaru itch or whatever. Um, and it drives a lot better than some of the SUVs. Like you almost forget after driving Foresters in a sense that like, a Subaru sedan can be this refined in corners and in braking yeah. and, and all that stuff. The ride handling balance, the way everything sort of works together, the steering weight and, and torque is it, like all of that stuff is perfect. The chassis guys get a gold star. Uh, <laughs> just, and, and, and honestly, it looks good. It's easy to get in and out of. It's comfortable. Like all, all of that stuff that makes it a Subaru, that's, that's all there. So uh, they got some, some work to do on their new infotainment system. So for sure. Well, look, I didn't do any of the homework on any of the topics that you guys are about to talk to in a bit. So I'm going to leave you now. Uh, okay. I'm glad I got to yell about cars and I'll uh, check with you guys soon. All yeah. right. Where do people right. find you? If they're looking for you, where do they find you? Yeah, you can uh, find our legacy review on car gurus. Uh, we're doing some other articles about car culture on boston.com. And then I do some other uh, car advice for us things or report. All right. Hey, thanks George. Hey, thanks a lot guys. Right. Take care. Bye. Bye. It's been a very electric <laughs> kind of few <laughs> days. Um, the the Volvo XC40 Recharge came out, and that's sort of their their first foray into a fully electric vehicle for Volvo, other than the, the Polestar. Um, but like, yeah, it's the first it's the first Volvo branded production electric vehicle. Uh, they they actually did. Uh, Something earlier in the decade, I think just in Europe only, they did some small number of V, I think V40 electrics. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it was never a really a regular production model. Uh, but so this is the first regular production um, Volvo branded EV. Um, you know, and it's it's using the same platform as the um, as the Polestar 2. Uh, but you know, obviously, a different form factor. You know, it's it it looks like the XC40 that we uh, that we're all familiar with, and uh, it you know it's got the battery under the floor like everybody else, and uh, lots of other changes too. Yeah. So and and it introduces recharge as Volvo's electric brand now. So anything fully electric from Volvo is going to have. Uh, I think I think they're also using it on their plug-in hybrids. How too. are they? Okay. I, I, I think it's every, anything with a plug is going to get branded as recharge. Oh, I get it now. Okay, I thought it was just the fully electrics. Okay. Uh, yeah. and, and so, but did they basically put the XC40 top hat on top of a completely new? architecture or did they, they no, it's, the Polestar 2 off it, the it, it's it's a heavily modified version of the uh 
what is it there? Oh, I forget. Is it, the is it, SLA is yes, their big right. one. Uh, I forget what the small, what the compact one is called, but it's a, it's a it's a significantly modified version of their compact platform that is used for the XC40. Um, also the uh, the Lincoln Co cars from from Geely, uh, as well as the Pulsar too. Yeah, which I uh, just a normal driving form. Like I thought that was that's a really good uh, starting point, quite honestly. So. I, I think that Volvo has always, uh, over the last 50 years, they've been kind of on the forefront of uh, committing to environmental stewardship. And this is this is the next step for Volvo, I think, is is they figured out where they're going to take the brand now. Yeah. And, you know, during the, the press event earlier this week, um, Huck and Samuelson, the, uh, the CEO, talked about, uh, you know, getting to 50 percent. Uh, EVs by 2025. Um, going forward, they're going to be introducing a new electric vehicle every year uh, between now and 2025. And there will be plug-in versions of every vehicle that they offer um, going forward. So, you know, they already have plug-ins uh, variants of many of their models, uh, including, you know, all the 90 series models are all available as a plug-in hybrid. Um, the, the 60s, the XC60 and a I think the V60 are available as plugins. I'm not sure about the S60. Um, so, you know, this is continuing the trend that they already started. And even the non-plug-in ones, um, you know, from 2020 onwards are going to have at least a 48-volt mild hybrid system as standard equipment. You know, so everything is going to be electrified to some degree or another. Right. Well, that's the, that was sort of the thing that they came out and said not too long ago that um, they – they had made that masterful release of information that was kind of already out there. Um, it was like, yes, everything going forward is going to be electrified in some way. And people took it to mean like every Volvo is going to be an electric car. Which is well, not actually the, the, the reason why everybody took it that way is because the headline of that press release said that Volvo is going all electric. Right. Yes. That's, they, that's what the, the press release actually said. All electric. It didn't say electrified. It said all electric, I, which was a complete, misrepresentation of what they were actually doing i think it was in the pr world that's obfuscation <laughs> no that, that, that's called a lie uh, okay all right I, i'm trying i'm trying to give him a break because i i like volvo um but you know, I think when, when, I, when i when i worked on the pr side that was the sort of thing that you know i would very loudly complain about in editorial meetings and whenever anybody tried to do something like that i said you cannot say that it's not true yeah, oh, that, that's fair. Fortunately for me, I'm no longer in that position. Right, and they they're, they continue to lie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, the details. But that doesn't take away from the the, the car. Yeah. Yeah, the, the car itself is. Uh, this is the thing that was inter the most interesting to me was like they didn't just make it sort of uh, mediocre electric powertrain. It's got 400 horsepower and even more torque, like 442 pound-feet of torque. Uh, so this is probably the quickest XC40 you're ever going to see. And, Most likely, yeah. Uh, it, you know, it, it char it'll charge to 80% in about 40 minutes on a fast charger, so that's that's pretty good. Yeah, um, it's 50-kilowatt charging, same as the Audi e-tron. And their, their WLTP number sounds really good. Um, it's, but, it's okay. It's not right. great. Well, that's uh, the thing. Like they, they get it to say 400 kilometers on the WLTP, which that, you know, 400 is a nice round number. And that's, that's what I mean. It's just like, it sounds good. But then when you, when you convert it and you sort of lower your expectations for what it's going to be on the EPA, do you think this is going to, 
it's going to come down to maybe just about 200 miles, right? In terms yeah, of it'll, it'll probably be right around 200, uh, which is, you know, again, similar, you know, the Audi e-tron, you know, is also rated at 400 on the WLTP, um, you know, and it's like 204 on the EPA. So it'll, it'll probably be somewhere right around there, you know, right, right around 200 or just a little bit more on the EPA cycle when it comes out next year. So that's not, I mean, that's certainly plenty. Uh, although, you know, uh, Volvo, you know, because this is a smaller vehicle, Volvo achieves that same range as the e-tron with a significantly smaller battery. They're doing it with a 78 kilowatt hour battery versus the, uh, the 90, uh, 95 kilowatt hour unit in the, uh, in the Audi. It's just less disappointing that it's getting that kind of range. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's more, it's more efficient. It, is, it the, is more efficient than the Audi, which you would expect it to be since it's smaller. Yeah, well, and the Audi too. Like the thing about the Audi is um, that initial disappointment seems to have been tempered by the fact that like that performance is virtually guaranteed no matter what you're doing. Yes, yeah, it's you know unlike uh, a certain other uh, EV company, <laughs> uh, you are you're actually highly likely to actually beat the EPA label numbers with the Audi e-tron uh, as opposed to fall well short of them. Yeah, and and like that other. Um, EV company, uh, the XC40 is going to be able to do over-the-air software updates and, and stuff. So they're they're yep. they're getting it set for a further sort of platform, uh, sort of upping the tech from from the kind of old line automaker that Volvo has has been sort of a member of that that class. And now we're we're seeing this shift where they're they're trying to do the things that others have done, but less maybe less carefully. Uh, everybody's getting into the act now. And, and so it's, it's going to improve that uh, sort of execution, I think. Right. And, and, and like the Polestar too, um, the XC40 is also getting uh, the new uh, Android automotive powered infotainment system. So it's the same system that's going to be in the Polestar. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's running Android underneath. It'll have a unique Volvo interface to it, but it'll, it'll be, it'll have, um, Google services in there. So you'll have Google assistant, uh, for the voice recognition, Google maps, uh, access to the Google play store, uh, you know, with, with availability of automotive related apps that you can download and run right on the, the, uh, the system. So you don't have to use, uh, you, you don't have to have your phone plugged in, uh, to, uh, use the apps. Um, and, uh, what else? Oh yeah. So this, this is replacing, or, you know, it's their next generation of their their census system so it's a it's a different interface from what's in census today which is given rebecca's troubles with it the last <laughs> week and, you know you and i have complained about it endlessly yeah. i feel um it's probably a good thing like we'll, we'll get to try it out and, and uh see how much we like it in practice yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to driving this one. You know, we like, I like the, the standard XC40 and, and this should be uh, an interesting change. I think it's going to be even better as an EV because it's just going to have that, that sort of power delivery that EVs have where it's just going to feel always ready, which mm -hmm. is nice. And it's going to be a little quieter. Um, so it's just going to be the strong, strong silent type. <laughs> yeah. So the next thing, uh, you know, we can we can sort of have EVs and uh, alternative propulsion, other other alternative propulsion technology fight each other. Um, you wrote up the the Toyota Mirai. You wrote it up for Forbes. Uh, just the introduction of the second generation of the Mirai uh, fuel cell vehicle, which looks fantastic and shifts to rear wheel drive. So I'm I'm all set. They can bring this tomorrow. I would be yeah. fine with that. Yeah, so you know the the original Mirai was you know it wasn't the first production fuel cell vehicle. You know that was you know the Honda FCX Clarity, but you know 
over the course of about four years of production, I think Honda only made about 250 or so clarities, uh, whereas the Mirai was the first really volume production um, fuel cell vehicle. And, you know, they've, they sold, they've sold about, uh, I think to date, I think it's like about nine or 10,000 of them um, globally, uh, including Japan and, and here in the U.S. and in, uh, in Europe. Um, but the the Mirai, unfortunately, was um, how shall I put this? It was ugly. <laughs> it was <just> downright <laughs> ugly. <laughs> and frankly, it didn't drive very well either. You know, it it drove it drove a lot like uh, previous generation Prius, which you know its platform was based on, uh, which means that it it was not very fun to drive. Uh, it was reasonably quick, but it was not very fun to drive. Um, this new Mirai is on a is on a new platform. That is, you know, it's a rear-wheel drive platform. It's also significantly larger than the the current Mirai. It, this thing, excuse me, this new one is about the same size as an Avalon, uh, which you know makes it a big car. Yeah. Uh, which means that it's unlikely to go down significantly in price from the I think fifty six or fifty seven thousand dollar price point of the current Mirai. Um, yeah, but there, you know, it's going to have uh, substantially like thirty percent more range to it. It already had pretty good range. It was already over a three hundred mile range, uh, but it, you know, so it should be approaching uh, four hundred miles of range, and uh, and should uh, be a lot more interesting to drive, and certainly a lot more pleasant to look at than the old one. So is it going to be? I know, like in in Southern California and out there, like <laughs> this is this is not so much of an issue. Um, you can have the fuel cell vehicle. You can fill up with hydrogen. It's it, it, maybe it's a little harder to get, but it's it's there. I don't I don't know that that's as easy up here in the, the northeast. Now I do I do see some clarities. I think from time to time. those are the ones that have the uh, weird stats, those, right? are, those are going to be the yeah that's going to be the plug in hybrid clarity, not the fuel oh, cell. Okay, the fuel so cell clarity is only available in California. Right. Okay. That because that was my, I saw clarity in traffic and I was like, how are they fueling that? <laughs> yeah. Right. Right now there's about forty fuel uh hydrogen stations in california and that's it yeah for for publicly accessible stations um you know the clarity is available in three versions the the fuel cell a plug-in hybrid and the um battery electric version which has a ridiculously short range of like 85 miles uh, <laughs> but they uh so the ones you're probably the ones you're seeing are, pro- are almost certainly the plug-in hybrids yeah that's what they've got to be um so Again, though, like so, the, the new Mariah does look good, and it's it, they went through all the the time and trouble and expense to you know create this new version that seems like it's only a, only going to work in like one small geographic area. Well, they're they're supposed to start opening some uh, hydrogen stations in the Northeast as well uh, in the next year or so. So it by the time the Mariah arrives uh, later next year, there should be um, it, it may it may well be available in in the Northeast, in New England, and New York, and New Jersey um, because they're they're supposed to open some uh, some infrastructure there. That would be good because we have epic gridlock here. <laughs> it, it might be nice to uh, not contribute. Uh, so much uh, carbon dioxide to the atmosphere. Um, I mean, it it does make me wonder what drove those changes. Like, were customers asking for something that's more like an LS than like a, a Prius? You know, it, it, like I, it was it was a real surprise to see. Well, from from what I've been told, the original Mirai it was originally intended to be a Lexus. It was supposed to be branded as a Lexus, not as a Toyota. And somewhere along the line, they decided they changed their mind, decided to call it a Toyota. Um, 
and you know mainly because of the pricing you know even as a lexus you know i still don't think that the styling would have fit very well as a lexus either yeah uh, you know, this time they decided to you know just make it a toyota it's it's probably going to almost certainly going to be you know a premium you know, it'll be toyota's flagship uh you know probably above the the avalon um and you know i i think it's not necessarily clear you know who the the target market is for this you know i think you know some you know i think anybody that is a big tesla fan is probably not going to be interested in this um but uh you know there i think that there there are some people who like the idea of a fuel cell vehicle and like to have you know a big stylish you know premium sedan uh you know that that happens to be electric and and has significant range so you know i think if you compare this to you know say something you know like the lucid air you know which is you know kind of a similar size you know that's you know that's a 400 mile ev that uh or it's supposed to be a 400 mile ev that you know is going to start at a hundred thousand dollars my guess is that this one will probably start you know in the low 50s you know so probably in the same price range as the current mirai but it'll be it, it's a it's a design that I think people will be much more inclined to pay fifty thousand dollars for than than for the current generation car. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I mean, dude, look at the current generation car. I'm kind of like no dollars, no, yeah. no, no dollars will be exchanged for that. Um, but it, it's it's also curious to me that the Toyota continues to invest in in hydrogen. They they're one of the few. I think that it's really at least super visibly doing it. And so it's, it's almost like they're hedging their bets right now. It's mainly Toyota, Hyundai and Honda and GM that are investing significantly in fuel cell technology. Uh, they are, they are the primary ones and, and BMW, you know, has a relationship with, um, Toyota and they are, they have said that they're planning to introduce some fuel cell vehicles in the early 2020s based on Toyota's fuel cell technology. So why that dichotomy? Like I, everybody's moving towards EVs. EVs are sort of the talk of the town, but there's still well, we're keep, keep going in on. mind that fuel cell vehicles are electric. They just they don't they're not storing the energy in a battery. They're storing you know hydrogen is the energy carrier, and hydrogen going through a fuel cell mixing with mixing with oxygen is producing electricity and water. So the the drivetrain, the powertrain for this is exactly the same as for any other EV. Yeah, it's it's got an electric motor. It's got power electronics. It even has a battery, but you know it's a smaller battery, like a hybrid size battery, to do energy uh, recovery. You know, to do regenerative braking, um, and you know to fill, you know cut off some of the peaks. Um, yeah, you know because right. fuel cells work better. You know, in steady state mode than doing transients. So uh, the the battery helps with that. And you know, for larger vehicles, you know, as you get into larger, heavier vehicles. Fuel cells actually make a lot of sense, um, you know, because you can pack more energy into a smaller, lighter package than with a battery big enough to give you the kind of range you want with a bigger, heavier vehicle. So the larger the vehicle, the, the more sense fuel cells make. And, you know, so in addition to the Mirai, you know, one of the things that Toyota has been working on over the last several years is uh, fuel cell trucks. Uh, heavy, heavy, you know, class eight trucks, and they've been testing uh, a couple of fuel cell powered um, Peterbilts, Kenworths, uh, whichever one, one of those, yeah. at the at the port of Long Beach for a couple of years now, and they're currently they currently have a a partnership with I think it's Peterbilt, maybe it's Kenworth. I think they're the same company anyway. I think they're um, a Packer, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, with them to build uh, more more of those trucks, to build a second generation of those trucks. And uh, they're going to operate those in uh, in and around the port of Long Beach and, and the port of Los Angeles. Uh, and then um, Hyundai recently did a deal with Cummins because Cummins has been working some working on some electric drivetrain technology for heavy duty trucks, for class eight trucks. Um, and they showed something last year. And now they're partnering with Hyundai to also utilize Hyundai's fuel cell technology with their electric powertrain technology. Uh, so we're going to see uh, Cummins, Cummins and Hyundai powered uh, fuel cell trucks as well. And then there's, there's Nikola Motors, which is a startup that is doing fuel cell trucks. So when you get into those larger, heavier vehicles, fuel cells actually make a lot more sense uh, because you can get you know, the same amount of range with um, probably about a quarter of the mass of a battery that would be required for that kind of range. Yeah, so, you know, they're, they're going to maybe actually be successful where uh, a certain other EV maker continues to release sketches and um, show off uh, hacked up uh, Kenworth uh, semis. They've, 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 they've got they've got two mules. They've got at least two mules that have been running around, and I think periodically getting new paint jobs. Uh, <laughs> which you know, it sounds sounds uh, you know, if, if you're as old as I am, um, you probably remember there was there was another um, vehicle startup back in the 1970s and 80s uh, that uh, had a tendency to do the same thing. Uh, Vector Aeromotive. Oh, it's Vector. Yeah, they, uh, you know, I, I've. Talking to Don Sherman and, and others, you know, who were around in those days, you know, they Vector used to regularly show up at their offices, you know, with a prototype, you know, um, that had it was the same prototype that they, you know, every six months or so they would repaint it a different color to make it seem like there was more than one car. <laughs> and this went on, this went on for years. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and would they change anything else in the car? Maybe no, like, no, they just repainted it. That's awesome. And, you know, this was in the days before they could do wraps, you know, which would have been a lot easier. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, they would just paint it, repaint it. And, you know, sometimes it would be white. Sometimes it would be black. Sometimes it would be red or yellow. Um, and, uh, you know, then just trot it out again, you know, and, you know, try to raise some more money. Yeah, that's that. Well, that's right. Yeah, that guy was kind of a loon. Um, uh, yeah, you could say that. We've talked in the past, you know, about, um, about Tesla, you know, and the fact that, they get longer. They seem to get longer range out of their batteries than anybody else. Um, you know, there's a couple of factors there. Uh, some of which um, you know may have to do with, um, say, some shenanigans as far as how they do their testing. Um, you know, the, doing their EPA label testing. Um, but we're not going to get into that. But one factor that is absolutely true is that they're their drivetrains tend to be more efficient, more energy efficient than most of the other EV makers. And, you know, so even regardless of how they're actually doing their measurements, um, they are definitely getting more miles per kilowatt hour than almost anybody else. And one of the key differences in what Tesla does versus what everybody else is doing up until now has been the power electronics. Uh, so, you know, for those who you know aren't electrically inclined, batteries store energy, store electrical energy as direct current, and they, they the output of a battery is always direct current. But DC motors are not as efficient as alternating current motors. Uh, 
All AC motors are, are significantly more efficient than in DC motors. And in an, in an EV, especially efficiency is really important because um, the energy density of a battery is so poor relative to liquid fuels that it's important to get as many miles out of every kilowatt hour as you, as you possibly can. And so they've, they've used AC motors, you know, the two different types, either permanent magnet or, um, or, um, uh, let's see, AC induction motors. Um, but to go from the battery to that AC motor, you have to go through some power electronics that, uh, switches that DC, that direct current into alternating current. And the power electronics that are used by everybody but Tesla today use regular silicon chips. Um, and the more power you put through them, they, they heat up a lot more. Uh, and, you know, there's a limits on how fast they can switch, uh, you know, switch, switching direction of the current. So uh, what Tesla has been using on the Model 3 and I think now also on the S and the X is silicon carbide chips in their power electronics, which gives them an advantage in terms of um, power or you know, power conversion efficiency. Because when the chips heat up, that that heat energy is coming that's directly coming from the energy that's the electricity that's flowing through there. You know, if you if you're giving off heat, then that's less power that's coming out the other side of this right. power it's, electronics it's, module. It's not going to the motor. It's not right. going to the motor. Yeah. Uh, so silicon carbide chips can switch a lot faster and have a lot better thermal properties than just plain old silicon chips. And Bosch uh, is currently building a new fab. You know, Bosch has been making chips for a long time. Uh, most people don't realize that, but they, they're, they're actually, you know, one of the bigger chip makers, um, semiconductor makers. They're building a new fab in Dresden right now in Germany. But at their existing fab, they are currently doing pilot production of silicon carbide chips. And the new Dresden fab, one of the things it's going to be producing is silicon carbide chips in high volumes. And that's going to be available for production in 2021. They're going to start uh, delivering sample parts uh, to uh, automakers next year. And hopefully, you know, they, we start seeing them switch over to using silicon carbide in their power electronics uh, fairly soon because that'll help them get more range out of their batteries. And if you can get more range out of the battery uh, or, or, you know, better, better energy efficiency there, then you can get the same range with a smaller, lighter battery that's also going to be less costly. So it all helps to drive down the cost of EVs going forward if you can get more efficiency. So how does the um – to the, the car, how does the carbon sort of make the rate? Because that's the carbide, right? They're adding more carbon to the silicon. It, it, yeah, it, it improve, the adding the carbon to the the silicon uh, improves the conductivity of the chips of the transistors and the oh, chips. So this, this is less resistance then. So it, yeah, it makes it's, it's less yeah, basically lowering the resistance. Uh, so you're generating less heat. The the, the electricity flows through uh, more with more more easily, and uh, gets you know you're using the the energy where it's needed in the motor, not in the power electronics. So and these chips are because they're ICs, right? They're they're transistors. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So all they do, like a transistor, basically switches. It's like on or off. Yeah, pretty system, much. Right? So yeah. yeah, in this case, you know, it's it's switching, it's doing a little more than that. You know, it's switching the current to a different direction. But yeah, yeah, you're right. So you've you've got to make the sine wave out of it versus yeah. like DC that pulses, right? So with with AC, it swings. You've got your zero, which is no voltage, and it swings up for for you know the, to your peak, and yep. then swings down below zero for your your 
your low peak and it just sort of goes that that's your house current that's that's how i always yeah. touch the, that's, the bolts that's, that's the, yeah that's what's coming out of the outlets in your house yeah so when you put your fingers on that thing you plug the lamp in in the dark yeah that's how you feel a <laughs> <the> pulse <laughs> exactly <laughs> Um, well, and, I mean, that's, and, that's cool. An interesting, just little, little tangent there. Um, you know, if you, um, over the years, you know, I've had lot, I had lots of cl- different clock radios in the house and they all, they never seem to have, be able to hold time very well. Yeah. And you would think, you know, with modern, you know, especially with quartz stuff, uh, you know, quartz clocks, you know, they're, they're always so good at keeping time, but these cheap clock radios that you buy, um, they, they never seem to hold time very well. Oh, the cheap ones drift a lot. Yeah. Well, it turns out the reason why is because instead of using a quartz crystal in there, they're actually using the um, the frequency of the alternating current to control the time. So alternating current nominally is supposed to be 60 hertz. Yeah, that, that might work in Europe where their grid st- stays at 50, like very reliably. Well, see, that's that's the problem. Our the, grid doesn't. Our, our grid does not reliably stay at 60 hertz. So they're right. using that. But, you know, if your uh, current is actually like 59 hertz or 59 and a half hertz, over time, your time, your, the, the accuracy of your clock is going to drift. And uh, you're going to, you know, after a few weeks, you're going to realize you're off by a couple of minutes. Uh, yeah. So just a, just a little side note there. No, I mean, clocks are super important. We used to have to deal with that all the time. I mean, we still do, but it's gotten a lot easier now with with all like getting uh, video and, and audio, all digital systems to sync up. Um you know, because every digital system has its its own clock reference. So um, if your clocks are off, things are going to going to drift out of sync. So some of the studios used to use um, atomic clocks, and mm-hmm. they would keep them in the oven <laughs> at the studio, so a consistent temperature because it's 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 um, it's locked at the decay of the the whatever atoms or electrons. I forget exactly what the clocks were, but there were some studios in New York that had that. They basically had like an atomic clock that they built themselves. In in the oven um, on one of the floors, it was the master sink for the whole facility, and it was just the same kind of thing. So, yeah, now uh, we got a little off topic there. Just a little. <laughs> it's been a very EV episode, but um, the thing that was most fascinating to me this week, I was listening to um, AutoLine this morning, and and um, they it just their sort of like daily update, and they they announced the 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 Ford uh, Ford Pass, and. Like this to me is like here we go. It's it's just another step uh, on top of the Electrify America um, thing, which I also think was was well. Really- it's actually it's actually even more than that. Yeah, so. no, it is. But it, it's like I think with this kind of innovation, we're we're starting to really see this may be the tipping point where EV uh, ownership becomes really really practical and easy because Ford has has done what needs to be done to a, to a large degree. They've invested big in uh, charging network and infrastructure and they have actually, no, they haven't. Well, they've, they've assembled it. Uh, I say they, yeah. they've made an investment enough to, to put their name on it, put to, to do the hard work of integrating all of it so that you as a consumer don't have to. So that's where I'm saying like they've, they've invested, like they're, they're making it easy uh, so that you, you, yeah, they're, adopters can they're, get they're, they're reducing the friction for, yes. uh, Reducing the resistance, shall we say? Yes, exactly. <laughs> for EV adopters. Yeah, uh, 
Yeah. So, you know, for, for those not familiar, Ford Pass is Ford's connectivity services platform, the connected vehicle services platform. And, you know, it or, you know, there's already a bunch of stuff, you know, they, they, they rebranded their, their telematics service last year to Ford Pass Connect. Um, and there's the Ford Pass app that gives you access to a bunch of different things. You know, you can check your vehicle health reports and things like that. And um, there's various other services, but the, the latest thing that they're adding and we're, we're going to see it uh, in about uh, what, what the, uh, about three and a half weeks' time, roughly. Um, we're going to see it, and uh, so not this is the one. this is <laughs> yes, this is the uh, so-called Mustang-inspired performance electric SUV, um, which uh, you know that's that's all I can tell you about it at the moment. Other than that, you know, they've said it will have a 300-mile range, um, and. Uh, but the you know the the thing that they announced yesterday in conjunction with uh, Electrify America is you know this this charging network that uh, what they're doing is within the Ford Pass app they're essentially aggregating access to these different charging networks. So like today you know you can get the Electrify America app and you can sign up for a plan with them. You know Electrify America's chargers are all DC fast chargers, uh, and so. Uh, when you use those, you know, it's actually surprisingly costly uh, to use DC fast charging. Uh, but you can get a discount on the, the per minute rate, um, you know, if you sign up. So if you pay, if you're going to use it on a regular basis, it's worthwhile to pay, uh, you know, like, you know, five or $10, I think it is a month. And then you get a discount on all the charging you do. Same thing goes for EVgo and ChargePoint and, and others, you know, they have similar plans where, you know, you pay a little bit up front and then you get a discount on, on everything you use after that. And so, uh, but that requires you to use all these different apps. So depending on which charging station you go to, you got to open up the right app and make sure you have accounts with all of them and all this, all this nonsense. What Ford is doing is they're, pulling a bunch of these together in, uh, into their app, into the Ford Pass app. So you'll be able to see, you know, uh, from all these different networks, including Electrify America and Green Lots uh, and others to be named, uh, which one, you know, where there's a charging uh, station of, near you, you know, within, within range of you, uh, whether it's available, whether, you know, whether there's an open plug there to plug into. Uh, and then you can go and pay for it, pay for your charging right through the Ford Pass app. So you don't have to use all these numerous other apps and you don't have to pay. You'll get the discounted rates, um, you know, through the Ford Pass app. You won't have to pay the, you know, different subscription fees to all these different services. Yeah, which is like, I think that's really key. That's that's important. The, the way you make it uh, attractive to people is show them how easy it can be. Because like this is... Like, you've been dealing with EVs for a long time now. And like, this is not really anything uh, terribly new. It's just kind of like repackaging, but sometimes that's really important to, to, like you said, to reduce that friction. And so that's, that's where I think that uh, that and the splash with, with Ford actually like making the announcement and, and putting its, its brand on it and its weight behind it. I, you know, it seems like a, it's, it's right now and it may play out differently, but it seems like it could be a really kind of a pivotal moment where it becomes easier. Yeah. Yeah. So to, to start with, you know, when, when the car launches, you know, it'll, it'll have access to more than 12,000 locations with more than 35,000 plugs, uh, to plug in. And, um, you know, they, 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 
in the release uh, that they put out yesterday, you know, they also revealed a couple of other tidbits about the this SUV. Um, it's going to support 150 kilowatt charging, uh, same as the Audi e-tron and the uh, uh, the Volvo XC40, uh, which will give you uh, 47 miles of range in 10 minutes. Um, they can reconfirm that it'll have 300 mile range, and since this isn't a European car, that's not. That's you know that's what the expected range on the EPA cycle, not on the WLTP. Uh, and uh, what else? Uh, I think previously they've also said that you know this this vehicle is going to have uh, it's going to have over the air update capability. Uh, so you know this this thing's going to be available in 2020. Uh, it's being built at uh, Ford's Quadalon Mexico plant where they currently built where where they have previously built the Fiesta, uh, and they're retooling that plant right now to uh, to build this new EV. So it's it's a brand new debt, which just sounds like something that they would say in their their marketing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I'm 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 curious. I'm excited. Uh, I think it's a, a really a good move. And uh, between Ford and GM, I almost feel like Ford has their strategy sort of a little little further along, maybe a little better worked out. But maybe there's just you know afterglow. Uh, right now. Well, you know, I I think you know at the moment it looks like you know not not rushing to be the first to market has given them an opportunity to think about, okay, what's the right kind of vehicle? What, you know, what are the specs that we need, you know, to, you know, that's going to be appealing to customers. And, you know, this, this thing is not going to be as affordable as, you know, say a Nissan Leaf or, or a Bolt or, or a Kia Niro EV. Um, but, you know, they, they may have an easier time selling it because of the nature of the type of vehicle it is. And this is going to be, this is this is actually a vehicle that's going to be a very interesting competitor to the uh, Tesla Model Y. Uh, you think the Model Y is actually going to get here? We'll see. <laughs> okay, I remain it's skeptical. Con- yeah, c- considering how you know not very different it is from the Model Three. Yeah, well, that's sure. the other thing is like I kind of don't really we'll care see. about the Model Y. It's it's a humpback Model Three. Yeah. <laughs> well, what a no, again, not to bag on Tesla. I'm just like. I like how they've they've pushed the market. This is because of Tesla. Yeah, I mean, yeah. If, if it wasn't for Tesla, this vehicle and and many others probably wouldn't exist. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, let, let's uh, let's all just like bask in our electrified glory. I think this is this will be really good. One last thing before uh, before we go, you know, uh, while we've been recording this, uh, something popped up in my Twitter feed. Um, Reuters report that uh, uh, an electric Hummer could be part of GM's move into EV trucks. I just Um, saw that too. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) you know, yesterday um, or I guess Wednesday night, uh, GM and the UAW reached a tentative agreement for a new contract. And, you know, the the union is getting ready to do the ratification votes. And part of that agreement is that uh, uh, GM is going to retool the Detroit Hamtramck plant. Detroit Hamtramck plant uh, to the tune of three billion dollars um, to build an electric uh, electric trucks and SUVs. And uh, it's not quite clear, you know, what that three billion dollars, you know, how much of that is for retooling. It doesn't seem like it should be that much. You know, more like maybe a billion to tool the plant. Uh, so they're probably including the product development costs in there. But there's been some speculation for a while that uh, GM might revive the Hummer brand. Uh, and so, you know, it, 
there's a possibility that this electric truck could be branded as a Hummer, which would be ironic given that, you know, the Hummer, you know, before it was killed off a decade ago, you know, was sort of the, uh, the anti-green vehicle, you know, it yeah. was, it was the whipping boy for everybody promoting green transportation. Right. Well, and Hummer just seems like kind of an odd name for an EV. Like it's got to be whiner because the EVs whine. They don't hum. I, I, mean, uh, I guess they hum. Not necessarily. <laughs> you know, uh, a lot of EVs, you know, have more of a hum to them than a whine. Okay. Uh, and, but you I, know, since, since EVs are, you know, are going to have to have artificial sound now, um, you know, at, uh, when they're driving around at lower speeds, you know, to alert pedestrians, you know, you could certainly make it hum. That's true. That's true. I, you know, I think this is a bad idea. I think it's a good way to just torch about a billion dollars to establish a brand that or like reestablish a brand. Just, just make it a, make it a Chevy and be done with it. <laughs> if you want to make an electric truck, put in your volume brand and sell as many of them as possible. Don't waste time energy and money getting distracted. That would be my uh, advice to, and, you know, yeah. that's, that's what Ford's planning to do with the F one fifty. So. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. You're not, you're not splitting the market that way. And you're not, you, you hurt yourself when you try that. It may, may sound good, but I, I think too, like there's less of that Prius effect now than there was in the past where you needed to have a separate, very distinct product for the electrified car. I, I don't think that's really the case anymore. Like we see the same, you know, you see the, the BMWs that are, uh, you know, the plug-in version of the X5 is the, basically the same exact thing as an X5 is just, you know, they're so they're sold right alongside each other. Is what I'm saying. Like, and and Volvo, we just talked about the XC40. So, yep. it, you know, it, it keeps that consistency. You know what you're getting. You just, it's like in the days. Yeah, of, I mean, Audi's using e-tron. Uh, Mercedes right. is using EQ for their electrified vehicles. And um, yeah, you know, I think it it makes sense to keep it part of the mainstream. Yeah. So, please don't do that. <laughs> 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 Which um, you having said that means that that's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. Well, they don't listen to me. They have, nobody has made me um, in charge of a, a car company or branding or anything or any of that. Um, but really I think they could have great success if they listened to all of us. You know, I think we, we are the sensible ones here in the industry. We get to deal with their product and then try to unravel their decisions as we try to actually use the thing that they designed. <laughs> so, uh, it, it'll all be fine. Just please just make, make the EVs and don't cost yourself money um, that you can't afford. Yeah. Um, oh, and you know, before we go, actually, I wanted to talk a little bit. I wanted to, to uh, recount my experience because I, I dropped my Android phone and shattered the, 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 the face of it, shattered the screen. And so uh, because I find it offensive to spend too much money on phones, I cross-graded to an iPhone 8. And I was really excited no, I wasn't. I was <laughs> moderately interested in using Apple CarPlay. So I, I got to say, after a little bit of trying, I, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it well, and, and you're on Android Auto. So is that like customizable? Can you adjust no. sort of? No, it's just it is what it is. It is what it is. 
Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I, you know, I have, I have an older iPhone that I keep around for testing purposes, um, that, uh, you know, just, just to try out, you know, as updates come out to Apple CarPlay, um, and evaluate it. And yeah, I mean, I, I personally prefer Android auto to, to CarPlay, especially the new version of Android auto. They, they recently, a few months ago, they, uh, totally revamped the interface and works, works even works a lot better now. Um, but, uh, you know, Android, you know, Google's, uh, voice recognition works so much better than Siri. You know, it just, it does what I want it to do. Well, so that's the sort of biggest sticking point is I don't want to deal with Siri and you can't really get anything out of CarPlay if you don't have Siri enabled. And then when you have Siri enabled, she starts talking to you when you don't want her to talk to you. Like I'll get yeah. a text message and they'll tell me. Siri, so Siri, Siri, Siri is verbose. And, and I noticed you used the, the term she there which is something I've always been troubled by referring to any of these voice assistants, you know, either as a she or he, you know, uh, regard, you know, whichever voice you choose, you know, it's, it's, it's a program. It's an it. Right. It's not- but it's so the, the choice of it being a, a woman's voice is this odd little bit of ingrained sexism, right? Where the, the, the woman electronic servant or the electronic servant is a woman. Like, doesn't that seem like that, that, that also bothers or, or 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 maybe it's that um you know that they they think and we'll have to get rebecca in on this next time um but you know maybe i think part of it is the the feeling that men are more likely to listen to a woman's voice um you know when, when getting <laughs> traffic directions and things like that than a, another another man's voice isn't that the classic trope though where the guy won't listen to his wife and won't take direction you know won't, won't, oh, uh, but that's the thing it's not it's not his wife oh that's true that's, I, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I think you, you may be onto something. But, but regardless of, of, you know, what the voice sounds like, just the idea of referring to, uh, uh, you know, a, a digital voice recognition system as he, she or whatever, you know, it's an it. It's well, a program. It's an, it's an algorithm. Yes, but we're, we're humans. We're, we're prone to anthropomorphize. Um, That's true. We do it to our pets. We do it to our cars. Like, it's just... It's but our pets a, have genders. That's that's true, our and they cars also have not. personalities. Um, yes. Yeah. Uh, but, but but to your to your original point, um, <laughs> Siri Siri is definitely more verbose than uh, you know, and it, you know it gives it tries to be funny and and you know give you some smart ass you know remarks sometimes, and I I just find it cloying. Yeah, I. I was not, I'm not that impressed. I'm, I'm disappointed that I can't make the thing do what I want the thing to do. Um, like I, I have to, and you know, I can't use the phone functions if I'm on CarPlay because Siri is disabled, but I can pick up the phone and use it on the, like, it seems totally against, uh, what you would want that system to be doing. Like it's supposed to be a safety advance, but if I don't have Siri enabled, um, I have to pick up the phone and, and use the phone to dial a call, which is backwards. So I, I defaulted back to Bluetooth and I can do all the things that I want to do through the infotainment system that's in the cars with Bluetooth. And it's like I can make calls, I can get to my my podcast apps and stuff that way. And it's just, it's better. So, Well, if you want Android Auto, I've still got that Nokia. <laughs> I went through the pain to transfer everything to to Apple iCloud. So, I mean, I had an iCloud account, but it's just, yeah, I, I need to settle down. I was angry 
the first couple of days because <laughs> there's no like there's no back button. I don't like the Apple interface. There's the UI is is uh, it may have been really streamlined and refined at one point, but now there's there's extra wasted motion. I have to click on stuff to get the interface buttons to do the thing that I want to do. Where you know on the Android I had a back button, so I could well, I on Android ten the back it. button's gone. Oh, is it? Oh, but it actually, I think it actually works really well because you sweep in from the side to go back. And yeah. so it's actually easier to use it one-handed because I can, I can do that, that swipe gesture um, with my thumb and go back instead yeah, of trying to reach across. Maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I just, I don't understand all no, the swipe gestures. That, that, that just might be. Yeah, it could be. Oh, well, you know what? We should have people weigh in on that, whether or not I'm the problem. And then we can leave the podcast at that for the week. Let us know if Dan is the problem. (laughs) All right. Thanks. All right. Bye. Talk to you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.